It is so good to see all of you this morning. I sincerely mean that. Uh, many of you know that I'm the executive director of Equip Ministries International. We travel overseas and we minister to overseas pastors and church leaders. We are currently in five different countries, soon to be six, and God is doing an incredible work. This has been a banner year so far for Equip. Last year, for many, we were not able to travel, but this year we've been in Guatemala twice. We've been in the Dominican Republic. We are going to Moldova soon. Uh, the, the day that Asia opens up, uh, we will be there. Uh, right now, it's very difficult to get into Asia. And so we are grateful for the opportunity that we have to minister to these pastors who say, you know what, we have been praying that someone would come and would bring us deeper into the word, that we would be able to understand it better. And so recently we were in Guatemala, we trained, get this, we trained 119 pastors in the area of pastoral leadership and Bible study methods in four days it was absolutely amazing. It's like a huge reunion. Uh, they've got masks on. I tell them, I've had COVID. I've, got vac I've been vaccinated. I can't give it to you. Their masks come off. They hug me. I hug them. But they can give it to each other. And so um, it's, uh, it's amazing. And so we have just seen God do a tremendous work. I say all that to say, thank you for praying. Thank you for praying. We see it. We feel it. We know it. And we're so thankful to be able to break bread with these believers a different culture, different, different uh, uh, language, different sights and sounds and smells, but we serve the same living God, same living God. And so we are thankful. So thank you uh, for praying. Well, we are uh, right at the end of a great series that we have been doing on the Ten Commandments. And I hope you have learned some things about the Ten Commandments that you didn't know before. And so we have been applying and learning and digesting uh, the Ten Commandments. And so I, I want to just take uh, this last week, I want to take a little bit of uh, time to review these Ten Commandments again so that we have them, are you ready? Not just in our head, but in our heart, okay? So I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to read these commandments together. As a body of believers, let's read these. Commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you should not make for yourself an idol. Number three. You shall not the name of the Lord Number four. Number five. Honor your father and mother. Number six. You should not murder. Number seven. Number eight. Number nine. And number ten. Let me pause and pray for us this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it does not return void. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God remains forever. And it is the word of God that this world needs right now. Amen. And we just ask that you would help us as we have been learning these truths, that we would take them to heart, that we would live them out, and that we would be a light and an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ to whoever we see, whether it's across the street, across the pew, or across the pond. And so we thank you for the opportunity that you give us to be able to worship your great name today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When we began this series on the Ten Commandments, I was using the Ten Commandments as a witnessing tool to help people to understand that you cannot obey the law. 
And so I have a friend named Dan, and we work with occasionally doing some painting, and Dan doesn't know the Lord. And we were on our way to lunch one day, and I said, Dan, I bet you can't name for me 10 different kinds of beer. And man, he rattled off 10 different kinds of beer real quick. I mean, he's probably got them in his fridge, okay? And I'm like, well, that's great, that's great. I said, hey, can you name any of the 10 commandments? And he goes, oh man, uh, hold on, hold on. I, I, uh, I go, yeah, just give, just give me one. Just give me one of the 10 commandments. He goes, um, I got it. The right to bear arms. That's what he said. The right to bear arms. And I said, uh, no, no. <laughs> it, it's amazing that even in our culture, people would not know at least a few of the Ten Commandments. But more and more, we're living in a world where people are like, I don't care. I don't really care. I don't, I've never heard of the Ten Commandments, or I, I don't even know any of the Ten Commandments. And so this morning, especially when we look at the tenth one, uh, We've consolidated the 10th commandment here uh, for the screen, but it's a little lengthier in Exodus 20, verse 17, when it says this, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is of your neighbor's. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but it does prove the point that people covet for a lot of different things in their life. So let's have a real moment for a second. Many of us, I don't want to say all of us, but many of us have probably found ourselves coveting something, someone, at some time for some reason. We have all walked down coveting lane at some time or another in our life. Because we live in a culture today that says you want me, buy me, I'm yours. Your life will be empty without me. You want this so bad. And whether it's a mall, a sports shop, or a car dealership, our culture is constantly saying you want this. Your neighbor has it, why can't you have it? You want to take this home. It can be yours, interest-free, for three months. <laughs> That's the kind of culture that we live in that lends itself to coveting. But coveting is more serious than just admiring what someone else has. Look at the passage again. You should not covet your neighbor's house. You should not covet your neighbor's wife, I should say, or your husband or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. This is a commandment that we often gloss over. We are, we are knowledgeable about the other ones, but it's the tenth one that we just kind of gloss over. And we find ourselves excusing it, saying, I don't covet anything. And yet it is a ten commandment that often is intertwined with some of the other commandments. For example, commandment six, seven, eight, and nine are the ones that prohibit acts of evil, murder, adultery, stealing, perjury. But it's the 10th commandment that prohibits the thing that leads to murder, adultery, stealing, and perjury, which is coveting. Now, I have been around for a while in my life, 
And I have never in my lifetime have ever heard on the news, social media, or the newspaper, anyone saying they were brought up on covening charges. I have never heard that in my life. Yet it is covening that entices murder, entices adultery, entices lying, and most assuredly entices lying. Why? Because this is the only commandment that legislates our thinking. It deals with the motives of our heart. The other commandments deal with our behavior, our attitude, or even our speech. It is the thought of covenanting that so often leads to evil. Jeremiah 17.9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all else and beyond cure. Now I know Christ can do anything. Christ has the ability to change our heart from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Thank God for that. But it's surprising at times, all of us in here, how our heart at times can be deceptive. And we can lie to others, and we can steal. And though some of you would say, I have never thought of murdering, the thought is there every day when you elbow your husband or wife. <laughs> All of these things can become coveting. Coveting. Who can understand it? Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. In Mark 7, 23 to, uh, 21 to 23, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. You don't think the heart is wicked at times? All these things come from what? Tell me, within within and they defile a person. Jesus is reminding us that sin cultivates in the heart. And the outward action of our sin without Christ is the result of a heart that is rooted to do evil. Listen, you don't wake up one morning and just go, "Ah, today's a great day to commit murder. You do not wake up one day and say, today's a great day to commit adultery. Or to go shoplifting. It starts with the thought. It starts with the intention of our heart. And truly, God is concerned about changing our outward behavior, but he's equally desirous, friends, to transform our heart to be more like him. Holy, pure, righteous, upright, revived, renewed, restored, refreshed. That's God's intention. Yes, this can be changed on the outward appearance and our behavior actions, but it is the heart that he is after. Because when the heart changes, we change. And so, it is the thought of coveting something that, we, that can lead to murder, adultery, stealing and of one's personal property, and also of of committing the ninth commandment of not lying or bearing false witness in order to cover up all those other sins caused by coveting. Now, you know this quote if you've been around Christian circles long enough, and we're gonna show it right here. You know this quote. So why don't we say it together? 
Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. That will happen with all of us in here. It's not just a Google quote. It is a quote that is our life. Because when we sow a thought, all of us reap an action in here. And all of us will reap a destiny because of our thoughts and because of our action. And this is why we come to this portion of the Ten Commandments in the area of coveting. All that to say that we need to understand what coveting is, and we equally need to understand what coveting is not. To covet is much more than to want something. So what is coveting? Here's a working definition for us this morning. To want to the point of seeking to take away and own something that belongs to another. To want to the point of seeking to take away and own something that belongs to another. Note, there are two important elements here. Seeking to own and belonging to another. Admiring something is not coveting. You walk into your neighbor's garage and they have just bought a 2021 Mercedes-Benz S-Class. S-Class. And you go, oh, oh my word, I love the color. The color is absolutely beautiful. And you look inside and you're like, the leather upholstery is out of this world. Even the chrome accented wheels, I mean, off the charts. And you go home and you buy the exact same thing. That is not coveting. That is copying. Okay. That is copying. The 10th commandment does not prohibit you from saying, wow, what a great house, what a great car, uh, what a great mower, uh, what a great spouse, which your neighbor has. Coveting is when you walk into your neighbor's garage and you see that they have just bought a 2021 Mercedes-Benz S-Class, S-Class, and you go, oh, oh, hey, do you, do you mind if I sit in it? Just, just to sit in it. And you sit in it and you're like, oh, this, this is, do you mind if I just start it up and hear the purr of that engine a little bit? Oh, oh. you mind if I just take it out, you know, a little bit? And you never come back. That is coveting. That's also called Grand Theft Auto, by the way. Okay. That is coveting. Coveting is when you want and seek to gain possession of that house or spouse or car or Callaway Maverick golf clubs, just saying, uh, whatever, that it belongs to someone else. We should never seek to own anything that belongs to another because only evil can come from it. Coveting means you are not content or satisfied with what you have, so you plot and reason in your thoughts to take it from someone else. Uh, the book of James, James goes a little bit deeper in James chapter 4, uh, in, in verse 1, when he says this, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't, tell me, have. 
So you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all what? Wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. The idea that James is talking about is this sin of coveting. So let's walk through a few this morning in Exodus 20, 17. You should not covet your neighbor's wife. One way that we covet is through lusting. Lust is a strong desire which God has forbidden. And when we covet someone else's spouse, we're emotionally leaving the one we have pledged our lives to. And we may never touch the person we covet, but in our hearts we desire that which is not ours, and that is sin. Do not covet your neighbor's wife. Wives, do not covet your neighbor's husband. There is more pain and more sadness and more fallout from adultery and it seems to just get worse. Do not covet your neighbor's wife, husband, spouse. Number two, you should not covet his male or female servant. Okay? In, in this culture, and in many cultures today, someone will have a male or female servant that will come in and clean their house. Ladies, how many of you wish you had one of those right now? I think every, every wife says, What? You have someone that comes in and cleans your house once a week? Oh, I wish I had that. Okay. In this culture, there would be a, a, a male servant, female servants, uh, and when you had a male or female servant, it would show everyone that you were doing well. Now, we are human beings here, and we compare our livelihood to someone else, don't we? how successful we are compared to them or how successful they are compared to us. Kind of a modern day trying to live up to the Joneses. They always get a bad rap anyway, the Joneses. When we don't have something that we look at and we go, I need that, we tend to become discontented with what God has given us. You should not covet your neighbor's ox or donkey. Really? I mean, I have been a believer for 47 years. I have never coveted someone's ox or donkey. I don't even think I know of anyone that has an ox or a donkey. However, in this culture, you just fill the blank here, friends. You fill the blank here. In this culture, for someone to have donkey, cattle, uh, uh, oxen, showed that they were doing well in their life. And coveting these animals meant dissatisfaction with one's own livelihood. The attitude of covetedness creates resentment toward God and jealousy toward neighbors. Again, remember, this is a commandment that deals with our thoughts. It deals with our thoughts. My daughter just asked me, just this week, she said, if you had to choose between everyone knowing your thoughts 
or not having to speak ever again, what would you choose? And I'm like, as a pastor, that is hard. I love to talk, but you don't want to know my thoughts. And so I said, I would choose to be silent than to condemn myself. You look around today, you can see people. You can tell when somebody is murdering because it's an act. Someone's lying. Someone's stealing. Committing adultery. But nobody knows except our great God what your thoughts are and what you're coveting. And that is just as much of a sin as the other outward sins. Except we gloss over that. And we act as if it's nothing. King Ahab in the Old Testament is a great example of someone who was caught up coveting. In 1 Kings chapter 21, verses 1 to 16, King Ahab, who is one of the kings of Israel, he has it all. He is not in want by any means. And he sees a vineyard that is not his. And he becomes consumed by it. I want it. I need it. He begins to become discouraged. He begins to pout about it. It's as if the, it's as if the claws of coveting has gotten into his skin. To the point where his wicked wife Jezebel seizes the vineyard for him and kills the rightful owner of the vineyard. He had it all. And yet here's a vineyard that he set his sights on to the point of where he just, it kept going and going and going. Till finally he acted upon that. Coveting left unchecked, friends, will lead us down a path of not great gain, but great pain in our life. So what's the solution? Is it enough for me to stand up here this morning and say, don't covet? Is that enough? I don't think it's enough. I think somewhere we need something tangible that we can hold on to when the coveting thoughts begin to come into our life. The cure for coveting is a call to contentment. The cure for coveting is a call to contentment. Paul said in 1 Timothy 6.6, yet true godliness with contentment is great gain. Contentment is the polar opposite of coveting. A content person recognizes what they have is a gift from God. They are not trying to play God, manipulate God, bargain with God. They are content with what the creator of the universe has given them. And their life is not based on the pursuit of wanting more. Their life is based on the pursuit of wanting God more. Get that. Their pursuit is not wanting to pursue and get more, their goal in life is to pursue and getting to know God more. That's the difference between someone coveting and someone who is content. Contentment. Would you say that word with me? Contentment. How many of you over this last year found yourself becoming discontent? Found yourself thinking this is absolutely ridiculous what's going on. Can't things get back to 
And we find whether it be emotionally or physically or relationally, we find ourselves losing that contentment that we're to have in the Lord by looking at the circumstances of life. Philippians 4.11, not, uh, not that I was ever in need, but I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. We drove four hours into the jungle in Guatemala. There are people in this jungle, 16 pastors and church leaders showed up. They have virtually nothing. They said, we have been praying that someone would come to our village to share with us about Christ, to share with us the word of God. And I look over and they are living in a thatched hut. And we, we have so much, so much. So I think for us to say we're not content, there's a problem, and the problem is right here. So Matthew 6, 21 says it best when Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our heart will focus on whatever is most important to us. And the problem with covenant is that we want to replace God's desires and longings with our desires and longings. And this is what I know about people who covet. They are not content and they are not givers. They're not generous. People who are coveting always want more. So they're not givers. And they're not content with what they have. There are people that you see and you go, man, they have it all. And yet they'll tell you, no, I want this and this and this yet. They're not content and they're not givers. Which proves the point, when the heart is right, the actions follow. And when the heart isn't right, the actions follow. Think right, do right, feel right. Think wrong, do wrong, feel lousy. Now, we have been blessed over the last 10 weeks of being able to go through the 10 commandments. And I, I think all of us here would say, you know what, um, I, I knew them already. But I think we've learned from these. But I'll be candid with you. These 10 commandments are useless unless we take them to heart. When we take an earnest look at our life and say, I cannot accomplish these commandments in my life without the help of Jesus Christ in my life, without the help of the Holy Spirit who guides me into all truth, I, there is no way I can come even close to being able to accomplish or avoid any of these commandments. Because it is he who gives us a new heart. He gives us a new plan, a new purpose, a new start, a new destiny. He, he gives us freedom. He gives us patience. He gives us kindness. He gives us the fruit of the Spirit. He gives us the resurrected life just as he was risen. He gives us that. He gives us the ability to be able to live these out. Not in our strength. How many of you have done it in your strength? Okay, four of you. Um, we've all tried to do things in our own strength. 
And yet, when we do it with his strength, through his spirit, man, something changes. My heart changes. So what do we do? Number one, we admit, I cannot beat this sin of coveting. Lord, I can't shake it. I'm consumed by it. I'm thinking about it all the time. I'm making plans of how I can get it. Lord, I need your help. I I need your help. Lord, may your desires replace my desires. I mean, if you're looking for a great song to hear, Toby Mac, some of you are like, Toby Mac. Toby Mac has an incredible song right now called Help Is On The Way. You gotta watch the video of it. It is phenomenal. And, and, and you may say, this is not doctrinally correct, but he talks about God rolling up his sleeves and saying, all right, let's do this together. Amen. Man, is it good. It is so good. So admit, I can't shake this. I can't beat the sin of covenant. Two, turn away from what has become an idol. You know it. If you are consumed with thinking about it, it has become an idol. It is taking the place of God on the throne of your heart. Stop entertaining the what if thoughts that can lead us down a path of pain and destruction because of coveting. It might be a husband. It might be an iPad. It might be a car. Ladies, it may be a nice kitchen countertop. It may be cabinets. It may be a wardrobe. It may be a mower. It may be, did I mention the Callaway Maverick golf clubs? Did I mention that? All of these things can become so quickly an idol in our life. It is something that has become more important. Three, recognize your commitment is not to be in things, but in him. Remember that, friends. Because, man, we are constantly bombarded by wanting more and more and more. That your commitment in life is not to be about things, you know of people that have it seems to be all, and yet they're miserable. They're miserable in life. Man, when we are content in the living God, it changes everything. It changes everything. When I am in Cambodia, Guatemala, Moldova, the Dominican, Myanmar, Thailand, And I see how these people live and they have nothing and yet there is a smile on their face and they are content because God is working in their life. I walk away saying, shame on you, Craig. Shame on you. We were at a wedding last night and I was sharing a little bit about Equip Ministries. And I said, right now in in, in Myanmar, there's a military coup going on And pastors are running into the jungle and they're digging holes to hide in from the military. I said, these people are starving. And then I said, "Uh, could someone pass another roll, please? Be content. Be content. It's the cure for coveting. We spend money we don't have on things we don't need to impress people we do not know. Thank him. Thank him for the deliverance that he gives us through his son, Jesus Christ. It takes away the craving. It says, Lord, I know they have a lot of things, but they don't have you. And I have you.
And that's all I need. Would you stand with me this morning? This is our takeaway for today. Crave nothing. Covet nothing. Crave Christ. And celebrate what Christ has brought in and taken out of your life. That is the way of contentment. So I thought we would end the way we began this morning. By being reminded of the principles of these Ten Commandments. That we would say them as an affirmation of our faith and devotedness to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's say these together. Commandment one. You shall have no other gods before me. Number two. You should not make for yourself an idol. Number three. You should not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Number four, remember the Sabbath by making it holy. Number five, honor your father and mother. Six, you should not murder. Seven, you should not commit adultery. Eight, you should not steal. Nine, you should not. And number ten, you should not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. Father, we thank you. We thank you this morning. Maybe we feel a little beat up. But Lord, you are good and you remind us you're not finished with us yet. And so Lord, I pray we would take these truths to heart. And Lord, that it wouldn't just be something we check off and say, yeah, I was at church today. But that we would walk out and we would say, oh, what an incredible Savior we serve that I would live my life each day grateful for what you've brought into my life, not always expecting something in return, that I would be a man or a woman that finds my contentment in you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.